Oh, huge thanks to Nick Ryan and Glennie for his trumpet work there, bringing the uh, podcast a much-needed touch of class. Welcome back to episode six of the ISO Late Show, and thank you uh, for listening for six weeks in a row. Um, it's been nice having people hit me up and say they've been listening and enjoying it and enjoying the variety of guests. I will come clean straight up that a lot of the guests uh, in the next little while and probably into the foreseeable future will um, be musical guests to some degree, um, whether it be a singer-songwriter or someone in a band, um, purely just because that's who I associate with. But most of the conversations won't necessarily revolve around uh, exclusively those topics. So um, if you hate music, don't let that put you off. Uh, if you do like music, though, um, this chat with Ferg from Kingswood is very musical. Um, we talk about Ferg's idea of a great song. Uh, we talk about Kingswood's relationship with Triple J over the years. We talk about Ferg's relationship uh, personally with Smooth FM. Uh, he really divulges a lot of um, secret stuff. Uh, and he also goes into a little bit about what makes Ferg Ferg. Um, and for those who don't know him, Ferg is one of the gentlest, uh, humblest guys around the biz. He is uh, an absolute gentleman. So I was very happy that I got to have a chat to Ferg in his car. The weather has turned to crap outside. It is cold. Uh, it's like a black metal nightmare. So um, rug up, put the heater on, get a mulled wine. And enjoy this little chat with Fergus Lineker of Kingswood. You got me? Am I clear? You're perfectly clear. I just had Bluetooth running, so it's sending your voice to a car on the street or something. <laughs> That's all right. What are you doing? Um, well, I'm, I'm, in my po- I'm using my pods, so uh, is that okay? They're good. It sounds good so far. Excellent. Can you hear um, me? Uh, yeah, you sound beautiful. Perfect. I, uh, I'm just sitting in the car because I feel like a car is a good, um, a good phone call. It has good phone call acoustics. Yeah, I was thinking about actually taking these, some of these in the car too. It's sort of like a natural um, ISO chamber. Do you ever um, uh, like take music or burn a CD or go out to your car and listen to a mix in the car? All the time. The car test. It's great, isn't it? It's really good at making um, snare drums sound like shit. You, <laughs> you think you're there yeah. and then you throw it in the car and the the back seat speakers start woofing out and the tweeters start piercing. Oh, I've made a huge mistake. Does your voice sound different when you put it through a car stereo um, in the mixing process? Do you often find that you're you'll track some vocals and then go and throw it in the car and just freak out? Um, no, but I generally don't I, – I don't like working too much on my vocals. I let Alex yep. do all that. I, I, I'm, I'm one of those singers, I think, that doesn't like the sound of their own voice. Yep, 
And you're probably more con- you might be more concerned with the performance than the the sonics. Yeah, that's it. It's all about the, the yeah the performance, and then I um I let as I like to call the nerds um handle the uh the back end of it. So you obviously trust the nerds to some degree, or have developed trust. I do. I, th- I think Al and I have a when it comes to vocals have a a good relationship about how we go about it and get into the right mood and emotion and all this kind of thing. It's a very tricky thing to do, I think, to get a really good vocal performance. I I agree. I think I, I'd say just even from an objective point of view, uh, listening particularly to this new record, that he has treated your voice as someone who knows your voice inside out um, without being you, um, and at the same time, kind of, um, yeah, giving it plenty of room to. In a, in, a, in a way, he knows my voice sort of better than me, in in a sense. Mm. Um, and and like he'll, you know, we'll be we'll be singing, for example, and then he'll be like, everything technically sounds great. Like there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. I just don't believe you. So. Remember when we were writing this and we were talking about this moment in your life, blah, blah, blah. Just, just go sit and think about that for five minutes. And uh, we do this a lot where we like try and get into a mental zone where you're kind of being that character. Yep. And then you do it again and you might think you've done it exactly the same, but there's just this little, it's just real. It's kind of, I suppose, I, I always liken it to, um, to, uh, acting in a way because mm. as much as when you're singing you know you're being yourself and you're singing your stories and everything you know it, it might have been something that happened to you years ago and you really have to like almost get ready to do the scene and then you go in and you do a bunch of takes and you get you know you get the right um, emotion and the right performance and then you know go back and edit and Hope, and hopefully it portrays the the emotion correctly. I think it's kind of very similar to acting, although I do not think I could act. Why don't you think you could act? Because I think I would just, um, I think I would just laugh too much or not. I, I just don't think I have it. I think anyone can try and act, but some people just have it or they don't. And I just think acting is something that I don't have. When like you, stand-up comedy, I couldn't do stand-up comedy either. When you perform on stage, though, you've obviously got to um, embody some kind of character for the songs, for the performance. Aren't you, are you sort of acting in those respects? Or is, yeah, it, is it because think, there's such short bursts and because you're only sort of, you're embodying like three and a half minutes of, of a certain sentiment, does that make it easier? Yeah, I think you're right. Except, um, I think I can act if I'm if I'm acting as myself, which plenty of plenty plenty of successful actors just do versions of themselves. Mm. So in that sense, I probably could do, do a version of my own story or a character where I'm playing something that actually happened to me that might feel comfortable. But embodying a whole another thing and a whole another character, I think, would be very. Um, is I really admire good actors when they can do that. 
and I don't think, yeah, I think that would be very tricky. I mean, anyone can like learn and train to do it. If, but, um, if you were one of those actors that played um, an exaggerated version of themselves, let's say I cast you in a movie I was making and I wanted, <laughs> I wanted you, but I wanted a very yeah. exaggerated you, um, <laughs> what traits would you bring to your character? I, I really think that I would be the, um, I think I'd, I'd be the goofy guy who seems like a little bit of comic relief and takes the piss out of himself and, and maybe is the butt of, of jokes sometimes, but at the end of the film comes through and, um, and pulls everyone together and has a serious moment where he, uh, he unites everyone and and makes the peace, and everyone goes, "Oh, he's not so silly after all. He was he was quite uh, he was really constant. You know, he's he's quite aware of what's going on, even though we all thought he was the goofy one. So I think that would be my character. Does your does that goofiness come uh, from a place of actually trying to bring people together and trying to soften the mood? Do you think that those two things are related? I think so. I, I like I've, you know, as 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 you get older, you start to sort of figure out what kind of a a person you are, or like you figure out more of your personality traits objectively rather than just bouncing around, and, and that helps you in all your relationships. And you can you can change and work on things that you think are faults, and and you can you know embrace things that you think are great. And I've realised that I'm. Um, I'm a, uh, I'm a carer and a, a quite an empathetic person. The, the downside of that is that if I'm at a, a, you know, if I'm at a party and someone's not having a good time, it's very hard for me not to have a good time until I can make sure they're okay. I can't just bounce around and be like, yeah, whatever, screw them. I'm just going to do my own thing. I, I sort of feed off the energy of everyone in the room. Um, so that makes me within the band and within relationships and family, always try and be the peacemaker and, and uh, I'm in, you know, in charge of team morale and always try and make sure everyone's having a good time. It's, it's, uh, which, which often annoys people because sometimes I just want to, everyone wants to go to their separate hotel room and chill out. And I'm like, no, we're having a family dinner tonight and there'll be no phones on the table and we're all going to have, we're all going to play games and you know all this kind of thing. So I feel like I can, be like goofy and funny and and um and try and cut the ice all the time uh but it has a purpose i think subconsciously are, are you aware or have considered what kind of uh person you might be i think i in that sense well i think i was drilling you a bit harder on those questions because i'm probably in i'm a similar kind of person um i will happily be the butt of a joke if it means making someone else feel more comfortable in the conversation. Yeah. Um, I'm constantly, my experience of something, if it's shared with a group of people, is is also very determined on their enjoyment of it. Like hanging out with a couple of people that are having a really bad time doing what we're doing affects how I feel about that activity. Yeah. If you were having a if you were having a shit one on this podcast, it would really uh, bring me down, and and I'm sure probably vice versa. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. So I, I, I and I, I guess I um, 
I'm curious as to how, like, does does that mean that when you're now let's let's kind of move into like current times and and as much as I try and avoid asking this question of like how does isolation affect that now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you're not in rooms with people, and you're not um, you know, you're not in those same sort of social circumstances. Um, what does your brain do with that kind of energy that it had? Um, I've noticed myself, uh, and and I think this is kind of one of those. I mean, there there are always silver linings to things, but I've noticed that uh, I'm trying to sort of just call a couple of people a day, and not as like a a um, you know, oh tomorrow I'm going to call this cousin and this person, and I kind of find myself just going, oh I'm driving home, maybe I'll call. Maybe I'll give this person a call, um, and and just sort of checking in on on everyone in my life. And yeah, it's it's not a it's it's sort of when you when I think about it retrospectively, I'll I realise that that's something that's sort of taken over. Um, and uh, just calling everyone and calling the guys in the band and trying to set up um, Zoom call, like you know conference calls and stuff like that. Um, but it is it's it's. It's pretty tough. I haven't found it super difficult because, and you might relate to this, like sometimes in your life you want to, as a musician, I I suppose, and many other people, there are periods where you want to be isolated and you want to be able to just wake up and then work on music all day or, you know, edit some film from a tour a while ago and put something together, but you don't have the time and now, you do, although I feel like that's starting to run out now where you want to get back to normal life. You think that was a limited window that we had? <laughs> yeah, it was like, what is everyone talking about? This is what we this is what we normally do and this is yeah. great. And, you know, and then now I'm like and I was talking to Alex about writing, um, as we always talk about writing and it's a good way to and, it's a good way to put off writing. Well, yeah, well people um often ask like, oh, you must be writing so much music now because you have all this time. But everything we write about is a reflection of things that happen and we're inspired by conversations or things that we see or or when like, you know, when things happen in your life and we sit down and we talk about it, that's generally how one of our songs will come out. And when and when there's not much going on in terms of like relationships or interactions, I mean obviously there is, but when you're not out in the world, um, it's quite hard to, you know, make stuff up. I guess we're not we don't like to sort of um, force ourselves to write um, if we can. We try and sort of just wait and let things come to us and let things happen in our lives that we want to write about, and and, and we don't want to write about isolation or uh, or this what's going on now because everyone is. It's such so, an overload, isn't it? It's, yeah, I've no, no interest in writing a song about this. And if someone comes out, oh, I wrote a song about isolation. I'm not going to listen to it. Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> actually, and it's been probably the curse of me even thinking of trying to do something related to it in a podcast form. It's like, I you know, five five no, five or six episodes in, and I'm already like, uh, I almost think that talking about it is. Um, is mute like it's it's a pointless venture a- no i think one of these i think what you're doing is what is part of the thing i was touching on earlier about like 
like you might you you might not have done this and you know in in without covid coming along and this might be something that you take on into the future and that you're clearly good at and you know and and something that people need so there's certainly like this extra communication that people are finding and they, they might be communicating more than normal like we haven't spoken in ages and now we're having a phone call because of covid so that's a good thing and we wouldn't have had i don't think we've ever really had a long form chat either we've no we've um we've probably exchanged you know no more than half an hour of banter at an airport or backstage somewhere yeah um which has obviously given each other the um the insight that we'd probably get along but yeah beyond that exactly we don't know very much about the inner workings but now and now we're now we're we're sowing the seeds yeah this is this is deep agricultural practice (laughs) (laughs) um and then in getting back to music and steering the ship back towards um, Mm -hmm. alex you guys have been um i mean i'll I'll just i'll talk about kingswood for a second but um kingswood's been doing its thing for about 10 years yeah Um, I'm, I said that like you didn't know, um, <laughs> um, but it's one of the rare bands, like Australian bands, that still kind of got a relevance with um, with Triple J, with shows, with releasing music that are like a pop relevance in terms of its success. Um, there's not many Australian bands that have been around for 10 years that have been getting regular Triple J play the whole time. Um, well, yeah, sorry. Just, just to prove that before you rebut, I listened, I, I pulled up a Triple J playlist from today. 92 songs have been played up until You Called Me and four of those songs were by Australian bands that have been around for longer than 10 years. Were we one of them? <laughs> yeah, you were one of them. <laughs> Northeast Party House, Violent Soho, Ballpark, and you guys. Yeah, look, it's 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 funny how that works. And when you say that, um, uh, they're 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 not playing. Well, they're playing songs off the new record, but they haven't added one. For anyone who doesn't understand that, that means when they pretty much played every day for three months or so. Sure. It becomes part um, of their ske- their schedule. Yeah. Um, so they haven't done that to uh, a song off the record yet, um, which, I mean, this is what happens and it's, it's proof of what you're talking about now is that it's a, it's a youth, Triple J, it's a youth radio station and they need to stop playing bands to make room for new ones. That's just how it works. And they don't play bands once they get to a certain point um uh and so it's a really tricky thing to happen and i think we are in the in the midst of that transition now where uh we may not get an ad uh, and they're still playing us which is which is great and we're forever grateful for how the support triple j has given us um but yeah it does they can't keep playing every band forever and keep supporting the albums, you know, their sixth and seventh albums that they put out because then it would be the same 
lineup that it had five years ago. So it, 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 that's part of the, uh, I think, a new phase of what this band is dealing with now is transitioning into a broader audience and trying to trying to find other avenues uh, to, to get your music to people rather than through Triple J. In saying that, I would say that, like, standing back and watching your career from afar, um, you've always been good at adapting. Like, you've been probably one of the, if not the most um, kind of quick to quick to sort of shape your sound. Um, you know, you're, you're not sort of stuck in a particular look or a particular feel or there's no kind of, um, there's no concrete to the band. It seems like it's, it's always flexible and ready to sort of um, adapt to, not necessarily adapt to a sound, but um, yeah, you, it's, const- no, I- it's constantly in transition anyway. Yeah, it is, um, and uh, and that that is one of the characters of, of this band, and and some and obviously sometimes it's a great thing, and then I think sometimes I think that it's a, a curse because um, none of our albums really sound the same, and you know we don't have a super familiar, you know, if you hear a there are some bands where if you hear any of their songs off any record, you'll immediately know it's them. I think with us, especially having two singers, um, uh, it's it's it's. I think sometimes it can be uh, a negative, but really, I mean, it's just it, it all. It's who we are, you know, and and we always want to keep changing our sound, and and when we get together, like I mean, I'll I'll, I'll speak more about Al because he's really. I can't tell everyone how musically talented he is far beyond me um he's you know kind of a little genius um so when we get together it's not like um it's not like we can do one thing it's not like we're a band that just has one sound and we write songs one way and and you know whatever we we write 20 songs and then 15 of them make a record and, and then we move on and keep going it's far more complicated than that. We, we, you know, Al produces hip hop and and country, and I'm I write folk songs, and and um, we we really love and listen to and embrace all different kinds of music. So when we get together to make a Kingswood record, it's 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 very tricky. And we actually made a record that doesn't sound anything like Kingswood that was going to be the next record. And then we stopped and said, this is a whole other different ball game. So that's a different project that we're bringing out. But uh, You've already, and you've been working on that. Yeah. Well, we were doing it before this record. Mm. It, it was, we kind of made um, two albums before we stopped and said, this, this isn't what we want the third Kingswood album to be. And then we started again and, and wrote juveniles. Um, which might be complete madness, but yeah, we we were in France recording all this kind of like almost, it was still like, um, it was still the band, but it was kind of sounded like it was more electronic and dancey and, and kind of sounded like Michael Jackson and, and that Daft Punk world. And, And we were super happy with it and it's great. But then we'd have all these songs that really are, are meant to be dance tracks but we were trying to um, 
overlay them with Kingswood sounds or at least make it make sense as Kingswood songs. And we ended up with this, these meshing of like, it just, it just felt weird. And um, we went down this big rabbit hole and we were like, this needs to be treated and respected as what it is, which is a whole nother different thing. So that's a different project that um, we're working on now um, and we'll continue to work on. And hopefully that comes out next year. That sounds um, sick. Yeah. I'm yeah. Super, super keen to hear that. Super pumped about that. But um but yeah, and then we and then we had all these like Yeah, and then we had this this other sort of grouping of songs that um that were also quite mad. It was almost they were almost like a musical. And then we were like, This is crazy. We've got we've got let's just let's let's make like the rock and roll record that we want to make rather than trying to experiment and be too crazy and and um once we had i think say you remember was the first song that we wrote where we were like all right let's this is the this is the, the vibe of the of the new album upbeat you know fist in the air kind of rock and roll and and positive messages and um and that's and the, yeah and that's the path we went down well yeah i mean just from what i've me listening to the third album, I'd say it, that it doesn't sound like a stupid idea at all to do it like that. Cause you've like, this album's strong as hell. Like it's, it's like a combination of the two, uh, before it. Well, you've, so no, your, yeah, first, like, your first record, do you call that an album or is that like a EP? Uh, um, I, like, no, I'd say microscopic wars was the first album. Yeah. The, the EP. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, um, uh, the, the, yeah, some people are saying, or, you know, when you, it's very hard. I mean, you understand when people try and describe or ask you to describe an album. Yeah. Very, you can't, you can't do that. It's very truly. difficult. Um, and you always feel like you're underselling it, but, but this analogy that people are saying, not analogy, but that it's sort of somewhere between the first and the second record kind of got the rock and roll and the energy of the first one with the, the sort of songwriting, I guess, of the second one. Um, makes sense to me to me it, um that kind of is reflective of i think bands and how i've been looking at bands in the last 10 years anyway um that the thing that i guess i used to love about bands is the vibe and the live show um and they're kind of like their sound and their guts um and more riff based stuff was generally what I'd always get into with a band. But as, as I got older, I'd stop hearing that and just start hearing songs. Um, and I think now, like, it sounds like you guys are kind of on this golden kind of wavelength, at least between the two of you in the songwriting, um, world that you've got hooks and riffs and all the kind of, um, you know, you've got your meat and veg, and then there's just like these amazing songs that have ri- that that are written kind of uh, un- inseparably from that. Like it's not like you're kind of treating a, a well-written song with some great licks and um, Alex's kind of you know nods to different seventies guitarists. It's it's yeah, like yeah. it's actually just like those two things have kind of combined in quite a quite a nice marriage on this record well that's that's uh, you kind of nailed it because um one of our or one of al's um 
essentially like rules, which obviously we break these rules, but um, he likes to write. Um, we wrote a lot of it, um, the stuff we wrote together uh, in, in our little uh, studio that was then in Collingwood. Um, but with a, with an unplugged electric guitar, just basically for tone, so so that it would just sound like you know a twangy, um, quiet guitar, and then we'd write the songs just with that, almost to the point where you can sing the song a cappella, and and it and it will make sense, and it's a good song, and the message is good. And we talk about like um, you know, if Paul McCartney walked in and started singing yesterday to you without any instruments, yep. you just started singing it, yep. you'd be like, I'm in. This is a great song. Mm. Um, it's very easy to like start a drum beat and loop it or come up with like an arpeggiated synth based thing or a riff and then you come up with this cool riff and then you're like, oh, now I'm going to sing a song over the top of it. Yeah. And sometimes that works. But if you can start with great melody and great lyrics and when there's nothing else there, as yep. we did with these songs, and yep. then, you, then you build the, the, the sonic world around that song that suits that yeah i think that's that's how we um approach uh uh, writing now is yeah you've got to be able to just sort of walk into the room and we'll do that and it's like i've never been able to do it with anyone else but with al i i can walk in and be like i've got an idea and i'll like stand up in a room just with him sitting on the couch and just sing a song pitch it to him it's it's scary just like mm. me and thinking about it and he'll do the same thing um and then we'll go from there um and i think that's yeah you can and sometimes when you hear songs i can tell that it happened in reverse yep you can you can tell that it's been sort of someone's just top lined over the top of yeah some cool thing and it doesn't sound authentic yeah, it's. I almost find a lot of those sort of tracks where you. I think you're sort of. You talk. I think I understand what you're talking about. Where you can almost hear the layers, um, and and it's been built like, um, it's been built in maybe like there'll there'll be loops as you say of a drum part and things are being added to that and it's more just like, I think all it does is leaves you with a kind of um, you've just had a glimpse into a feel for maybe three and a half minutes or a vibe. Um, yeah, and if that's if that's the point, and uh, you know, then that's okay. Mm. Well, I think you it know, just it just doesn't leave as a, a well written song, as you say, is kind of it's on its own. It'll it'll stand alone as a strong um, beginning, middle, end for one of three better words. But like, yeah, um, yeah, it, it 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 makes you feel something that's a little bit more than than just um, a vibe. Yeah. I find, um, as you were saying, you know, you, you used to, you know, get off on riffs and now more so you're, you're into sort of songs. Um, I think I'm the, I'm the same um, in that if a song doesn't sort of make me feel something, it kind of just washes over me mm. pretty quickly. And unfortunately, as like, you know, music lovers and appreciators and people who are like deep in the process of like how a song is formed and everything. It's very hard to just listen to a song without that part of your brain on, you know, I've got, I I was driving before this happened for the COVID, (laughs) the COVID with a mate and he had like, like, um, 
Nova on or uh, um, one of one of those radio stations. Nova nineteen. And he was and he was singing along to like song and he just and I was just like watching him and he just loved every song that came on and he and he didn't care and I was kind of jealous of him because he was so like naive as to like you know well, to, to what my perception of a good song is or not but he was enjoying music far more than I do and I was like is this is it bad that we analyze music so much and that we care so much because you know because it's so hard to find a song that you truly love or is it better that when you do find that one song it can completely change your life yeah i don't know i mean <laughs> uh, yeah i i don't have that kind of um i i don't even ha- have a memory of the naivety necessarily um yeah i i maybe i find it every now and again um when my, you know, my defenses are at a low, you, there's nothing pepping you up. Um, I sometimes find like if I've got Gold FM or something like that on and it'll just like a track that I haven't heard in Yonks that I never particularly liked um, can creep under my skin. But and then again, maybe that's just because it's a good song. I don't know. And maybe the fact uh, that I'm in my 30s talking about Gold FM indicates that yeah i'm not no do you know what do you know what do you know what's depressing i was flicking through i flicked through like a, a bunch of radio stations when i'm in the car they were playing kings of leon on gold 104 and i was like fuck how old are we i mean i I've... was like how is how is kings of leon on gold 104 now after i'd stopped touring <laughs> they, i heard them play riptide on gold fm when I was back at work, I was just like, well, I, I what do, is I going do, on with this time I, warp? I do think gold is, is, um, is, uh, reversing it a little bit and playing not so old songs. There's a gap as, as a strategy. Yeah. There's a gap now. And, and I mean, more power to them because I've been listening to gold more than I've been listening to triple J. Um, well, I flick, I flick, flick through a bunch. Um, and I think the most consistent, one that I'll land on is probably smooth. Yeah, wow. Um, it's just got it's just got bangers. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll have to no, I'll I'll um I'll put their advertising campaigns aside and have a listen to Smooth. <laughs> yeah. Um as much as Robbie Williams making um dinner for his dog um oh. really gets me going, I'll um yeah, I'll check it out. Um Dive into some. I just assume they just, pay ten cc or something like twenty four seven. No, I just put it on number six. That's where I discovered. Um, what's the? the uh, I discovered a song on there that I loved. Um, Versace on the floor by Bruno Mars. Okay. <laughs> Do you know that song? I don't even know what any of those words mean. I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you. It's it, I, it's so good. It's like a Stevie Wonder song. Oh, I might have heard that song. Yeah, that's ringing. It's, on the floor. Yeah, it's, it's ringing so a bell. Good. Yeah, send it over. I'll um, I'll actually play it in the podcast too. I'll t- reach out to Bruno Mars and see if it's cool to just <laughs> play his track. Yeah, his loyals have come knocking on the door. <laughs> um, a couple of years ago, was it? You'll have to correct me. I think it was a couple of years ago. Maybe it was last year. You did your um the Rubber Soul um Revolver Beatles. 
series? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was like three years ago, but I could be wrong. Maybe it wasn't so long ago. Did that change? Um, I mean, I'm assuming you've always appreciated the Beatles, and that 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 wasn't like one of those kind of oh, I'm going to have to research the Beatles now situations. No, it wasn't. But it did. Um, I've never sort of broken them, broken the songs down that much. Do you reckon? Um, I'm I'm assuming that had somewhat of an influence on your mind set. Yeah, it it did. Like I was very familiar with the Beatles and loved them, and and uh, yeah, like as cliche as it is, I just think they're by far the best band ever, and I'm on I'm on that train, and I love them, and that's why I um wanted to do it. Um, but. Yeah, like going through the songs, and there were four of us singing and um, and breaking down the harmonies and and having the band play all the music live, which which like we we did songs that they never played live, you know, um, that was that was a great thing, and I mean and uh, uh, yeah, to 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 really immerse yourself, we did two albums, um, and. Uh, and musically, it was a very rewarding thing. I loved it. It mm. felt weird sometimes playing in the opera house and singing to mostly older people and and uh, not really knowing how to how to prance around the stage doing songs I'm not used to. But um, the tour was great. It was actually a lot of fun. And and the and the um, three other dudes, Marlon. Uh, Williams and Husky and Geordie Lane, we, we'd often end up in one of our hotel rooms um, or around, like, the hotel piano. I don't need to um, hear the sordid details, mate. <laughs> just, singing, just singing songs. Marlon, I, will, I do want to talk about Marlon because he deserves uh, a special mention. He's one of the greats, I think. Uh, the first rehearsal when I heard his voice, I was just like, holy shit. I just I think he's got an amazing voice and amazing writer and um and when we're in, when we're in those hotel rooms and and piano bars um his recall of songs is insane he could just sing any song Elvis Roy Orbison Neil Young anything going back and would just play it and sing it and know every word and I've always been envious of that because if I go to play a song I've got to look up the words and the chords and everything. Yeah, that's a that's a great skill to have around at a party. Oh, it's the best! That's I just want to like, I just want to invite him to a party and and tell him to and bring your guitar, sing songs and, for me. Yeah. Um, in terms of voices, you have got a pretty, pretty bloody good set of um pipes on you yourself. Um, kind. You've yeah, you've actually got an incredible voice. Um, and a and a massive range to boot. Um, with Keeping that voice um, primed and looking after it and taking care of it, um, I mean, I'm assuming that when you're in your peak voice condition, it's when you're sort of like mid-tour. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, you know, um, uh, yeah, like I'm, I do, I do like vocal training and stuff like that, and I and I haven't seen her in a while, but I have a singing coach. Um, that I had for a while that I saw first up because we started touring and I'd lose my voice all the time because mm. I was singing improperly. So I learned how to sing without um, 
hurting myself. Um, and I've been very lucky. Like we've never had a gig where we've had to cancel because I couldn't sing or anything like that. Yep. Um, and, uh, and I, yeah. And I keep, uh, I, I try and do my scales and, uh, it's, it's trickier now because I don't like doing them around anyone. Yeah. Um, uh, and my, uh, girlfriend and I live together and so I'll have to go off into a room and do them, but I really don't like doing it when like I'm very self-conscious about it when someone's like, can hear me doing it? Um, yeah, but, fair uh, enough too. Sounds God awful most of the time. Yeah. But, um, but no, the, but, uh, what were you saying? I was basically, um, I was, I was, I was leading you to where you ended up going. Um, I wanted to know whether you've been able to keep your voice match fit while you're not touring. Like you guys had a, a 20 date tour schedule coming up for this new record. Um, yeah, and you were, were, you were staring down the barrel of, of being, you know, match fit as hell. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we did, we did a bunch of rehearsals and you're right. Usually like three or four shows in, it starts feeling really good and you, and, and, and then from there on, maybe toward the end of the tour, you might start noticing, um, and, and, and easing off on a couple of things, yeah. but yeah. generally I've been really lucky and I've also had the philosophy of like, um, which probably isn't good advice, but, um, when you're feeling crook or you, uh, there's been times when my voice has felt a bit sore after or scratchy after a show, or I felt a bit sick and I've gone straight to bed and had tea and done all the right things. And the next night it's, you know, no better. And then there've been times when I felt the same way and then gone out and had a big night and it's 10 times better the next night. So I've learned that there is no really, no real rule to preservation other than not hurting it when you're singing. Yeah. Um, The actual act of pushing it over the, over the edge while you're on stage is probably more damaging than any sort of life choices. And and the worst thing, the worst thing that I always, um, no matter whether we're touring or not is if, um, if you're in a loud bar or restaurant, and you need to talk loudly, mm. that kills me. At any at any time, if I have to like not 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 so much shouting, but like just talking at a loud volume, um, is the worst thing for my voice. And I think probably a lot of people. I'm sorry that the last forty minutes has probably just been shredding your uh, <laughs> shredding. This your is cords. my normal volume, but um, it's great. And, and also, um, you know, um, with with I mean. Al and I, even if he's doing lead or I'm doing lead, a lot of it we're doing duets and harmonies through verses. And so we're kind of singing. We're kind of both singing the whole time. Yeah. But I was, I'm super bumped because um, I was playing uh, guitar on this tour. Ah, uh, sick. I know. Stepping, so up to now, the, stepping up to the axe. Sticking up to the axe and uh, and trying to become Caleb Fowler of Gold 104's Kings of Leon, <laughs> and um, and it was just I was so pumped and it was so much fun to play guitar again and um, I think I'll play guitar a lot more now. Mm. Um, it was kind of the thing where we were like, "Fuck, this is good. Why haven't we been doing this the whole time?" Um, but uh, why haven't you been doing it the whole time? I don't know. Um, how did you get? How I, did you? How did you get sucked into just singing? Well, when I joined, when Al came to my door and said, "I'm starting a band," 
I want you to be in it. I thought he wanted me to play guitar. Mm. And he said, no, 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 you're singing. And I was like, well, I don't really sing. And he's like, I've heard you sing. You can sing. You're the singer. Um, and so, you know, we went from there. Um, and I think in the early days I wanted to be Tyler. Um, Steve Tyler. And, man, I even had, I'm not kidding, I think there's a photo somewhere of one of our very early gigs, and I even had, like, streamers coming off the microphone stand. Isn't that awful? That's great. I always wanted so to be I, Liv Tyler. Oh, really? <laughs> She's pretty cool, too. <laughs> She's sick. Steve, I wanted to be Steve, and I wanted to be, like, the front man guy. And, yeah. And I think... um. And then uh, I, I, I played guitar and a couple of songs, like acoustic songs. I played guitar and then I started playing keyboards and synth and that kind of thing. Um, and then now we just realized that, I don't know, running around like an idiot. Uh, I, I still do that in some songs, but um, playing guitar, we, we tried it and I just felt so comfortable. And yeah, I was, it's, it's been great. When you find a live stream thing the other night and I broke a string in the first song though, so when you've actually and you've got another one coming up on Saturday, are you playing guitar on that? Uh what's the, what's that do we? What am I doing? Uh <laughs> I'll have to I will send it I'll through find in, out. I'll send it on Master <laughs> Tour too, yeah. I can't Thanks. remember. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not you. Maybe Al has hasn't even no, told you about yeah, that maybe. one. Yeah. <laughs> He's taking that one. <laughs> And you've taken this one in um, in his That's place. Right. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, are you able to still rehearse with him? Are you able to still jam and and um, keep some um, semblance of um, normality with with the with the process? We can't really. We can't. I mean, we probably. Are, I don't know if we're allowed to get together to rehearse, but um, I think more than anything, we'd like to get together and just hang out. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we, we, uh, Al and I are still sort of seeing each other from time to time. We go to the studio and we have sort of, you know, whatever admin stuff and, and working on a bunch of music and stuff like that. But it's, it's, yeah, certainly less than normal. Mm. Um, it's been more separated. And does, still... it, does it affect your creativity as, as you were kind of alluding to before you don't want to, um, you don't want to write songs about isolation, but has it affected your, um, I guess, enthusiasm for the band? Well, it, it's, it's a tricky one because, you know, we just put a record out and it kind of doesn't feel like it's out mm. because I think until you, um, until you, uh, you know, are playing in front of your fans and they're singing the songs back to you, yeah, I think then you start getting that gratification of like, oh, we've released an album and pe- and people know the songs and they, and they sing along and all this kind of thing. And now we've just dropped the record, and um, and it kind of feels like it's yeah, it's it's a very strange feeling of it. It feels like it's lost. It's there's no momentum. There's nothing to. There's you know you you can't play the songs and you can't go into radio stations and and play acoustic versions and you can't, I don't know. It's, it's a very, it's a very weird feeling. There's no so album cycle as the big dogs there's no say. Si- yeah, that's it. So, so I think, um, we're kind of debating whether we work on the, the side project thing that I talked about earlier. Um, or we, or we, we 
you know, go straight into because uh, we don't know how long this is going to go for. Go straight into another album of which we already have a bunch of stuff, and maybe put another one out as soon as possible. You know, we um, it's uh, so when 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 I sort of sit down and and want to work on a song or something, I don't really know what I'm <laughs> what what I'm working on because there's a whole another project that I'm doing as well. So mm. I think I need to I think I need to uh, I think the way to deal with this is to sort of focus and be like, okay, today is going to be Kingswood album four day. Yep. Uh, and then you're not, another day you might be like, okay, I'm going to work on this project or something like that. You actually have to um, actually add more, more limitations and more structure into your system. Yeah. Or lack of system. Yeah, I think so. Otherwise a week goes by and you go, I haven't really done anything. I've just sort of sat, sat there fiddling around for a while. Yeah. Well, I um, I'm sad that you don't get to hang out with Alex as much. Um, it sucks. Like, uh, yeah, just having we spend the, we spend so much time together. It's fine. The band that um, that I play in is it's like half the half the joy is just getting together and um, hanging out rather than like even the playing side of things. Is I miss that uh, enough, but just just actually being around other mates like that. It's 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 strange. Um. We, yeah, we, we the band got together and did this live stream gig and it was so weird to just sit there around a table and have a beer and talk. I was like, I, I realized how much I missed that. Yeah. Um, and we talked about, this is probably not a great thing for the world to know, but I don't think they're going to come knocking on the door. We, we talked about like booking a studio because I think we're illegally allowed to work, right? We can go to a studio and record. Yeah, I mean, it's right. a pretty, it's a pretty grey area. Well, that's, I, I think I know, but I think the I mean, and and I do, I am on board with um, the messaging of, you know, if it's not essential, don't do it. So I think my gut says, you know, what I was going to say is, you know, we we book a studio and go in there and and you work on stuff and and but basically just to hang out. But I think that's not in the spirit of what we're all trying to do at the moment, which is just stop interacting with each other. It's so. a tough one. I reckon May 11th, um, like we're meant to get an update on the restrictions. Um, and I think there'll be quite a few changes that'll indicate what yeah, we can, what I heard we can do open, next. I heard they're opening up Bondi Beach or something next week. <laughs> no, they're not. Are they really? Yeah, I think so. And like you can swim, but you can't sunbake. And I was like, why? Just to stop. It's going to be so hard. I was hoping it was going to be something like you can go and visit your family. Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't give a shit about Bondi. I miss mum. Where's mum? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's tricky. It's a tough one. And I think, yeah, you're obviously in the same boat as me. It's like you want to toe the party line and in, not necessarily politically, but like in terms, in terms of, getting the job done, which we seem to be doing pretty well. Um, yeah, I think we are. Uh, I, I mean, I know nothing. I'm not a scientist or a, or a uh, uh, someone who's well-informed about any of this. Yeah, you're just, a but, dude. Uh, you're just a dude from a band. <laughs> I'm just a dude. But I think one thing that we can, we can all do is um, just, yeah, write heaps of stuff or at least sort of get that process of gathering ideas um and uh i'd say there's going to be a lot of music that comes out 
very close to one another. I read once um, all this is done. I read Corey Ta- um, Corey Taylor from Slipknot was saying he thinks it'll be a renaissance of live music. People were just going to absolutely go m- mental for live shows once they're opened back yeah. up. I think there's going to be a big boom, or I hope there is, and we'll just play constantly. Also, that I mean, my guess is that even if we um, are allowed to live freely in Australia, until it's until there's a vaccine or until it's gone everywhere, I, I can't imagine we'll be allowed to, to go overseas or have people come over here. Yeah. Um, quite easily so it'll just be australia only touring for a while which doesn't sound terrible doesn't sound terrible nah it's pretty a, quick to get around boom. I've, all, I've been thinking about like the day they say all right bars are allowed to open yeah <laughs> like say Holy just say shit. they said all right this friday you're allowed <laughs> to go out it's gonna be fucking <laughs> mental and i, I guess I was, too if it's australian centric touring like you guys have always been very um, good at getting regional uh, and yeah, absolutely, and and going into sort of you know people areas that are often starved of big Australian touring acts. You guys haven't haven't really shied away from doing the hard yards on the tours. Um, yeah, for a band like that, I reckon when these when the at least when Australian tours are back on the cards, it's going to be just like it's going to be sick. Maybe we should um we should get a big a big travelling circus of a bunch of bands and just do like fifty dates all over the country and get a big a couple of big buses right up in the like go as remote as possible too I reckon maybe we should have it so that it's self contained so that we just like there's a truck and the stage you can just put it anywhere yeah that's huge we, it'll probably take about a year of planning so there's nothing else to really be plotting so well yeah. let's get let's get onto it all right i'll start the ball rolling on it um i'm about to wrap but i had one more query do you want me to do you want me to give you a beat <laughs> <laughs> yeah go for it see it's, there's jokes like that that have been told often in my household yeah and and also um the, the i feel like the dad element of the joke is slowly coming you know to the forefront as well, pe- that's, that's it. People were, running, that guy. people were running out of interesting things happening in their lives, so they're relying on puns. That's right. Their attention turns inwards to the language. That's right. But that's not the worst thing in the world. That's no, good. I think everyone's attention is kind of slowly turning inwards, which is uh, an important thing for us all to be doing. I think it's been nice to um, just slow down a little bit and, uh, and sort of reassess how we all want to live, live our lives and what's important and stuff like that. My final question was, um, you're, uh, you're similar to me in some respects as we've kind of touched on with, um, thinking of others feelings and whatnot in certain situations. Um, one part of the fact that no one can do anything at the moment is that there's not really that, that if you ever had a competitive bone in your body with, creativity i don't know whether you guys have ever got like a a band that you were like oh this band's just released this thing we need to be better than that or you know not in a negative way just in a way that pushes you but Mm -hmm. because we're all in this same um you know concrete boat have you found that freeing 
um, it, it's made me like I have thoughts of like how do how do we use this to be the most productive band out there or to, to, to be clever enough to come up with that idea uh, so that you can so that you can come out on on top so yeah. I, I there is a there is a unifying thing there but I also you've still got very, it engaged I think I've still got it engaged That's only, great. I think only because we just released a record and 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 I, and I'm really proud of it and I really want it to to do like I want as many people to get their ears around it as possible well um, the, the sheer amount that I've seen you guys doing live stuff um, even just kind of drip feeding live stuff that you might have recorded previously of this um, things from this record um, and and isolated performances and uh, jumping straight into promotion online um, I think you're probably on the right you think we're doing all right? I mean, I don't have a, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know anything <laughs> about, I don't know shit about fuck, but I reckon you're, um, yeah, I reckon it, it's pretty inspiring to see anyway. Well, that's all you can do, isn't it? You just put your head down and, uh, and work and, and, you know, do your best. That's all we can do. Nice way to finish up. Hey, tremendous to chat to you. You too, man. Let's do it again, uh, face to face sometime. Yes, a bit of a cocktail and uh, and some beers and and uh, it'll be glorious. Take care I actually, and um, I actually, I'm actually salivating over <laughs> the idea of us sitting down having drinks. It'll be perfect. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, we'll maybe wait a week or two after the first pub opens, just so it quietens down a bit, and we can talk. Yeah. Unless we want to have that rager on on the on. What, what's it going to be called? What's the opening night going to be known as long after it happened? Oh, yeah, it's like Guy Fawkes night, but the equivalent of COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> no it's idea. Gonna be great. Yeah. Take care until then, man. Thanks, mate. See you soon.